Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us at TheLinesUS on Twitter, X, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it. Follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow Mo with two W's at Mo Dewara. Breaking down NFL Week 15 spreads and totals for best bets before we are joined by Dwayne Colucci from the Rampart Casino out in Las Vegas. Been in the bookmaking industry, at least on the NFL front. For almost 30 years, so a ton of sports betting experience. And Mo, we're having a good NFL season on that note. 33 and 17 after your Giants cashed for us on Monday night with spreads and totals here in 2023. And as we look back, what was your Monday night experience like? And especially with DeVito's agent going nuts with his dad in the uh, stands. A good, a good result for me, for sure. Um, could have been better if certain amount of craziness didn't happen in the Miami versus the Titans game. Had some second half bets that uh, ended up splitting. Took the under and the Titans, I believe, is what happened there. Uh, but yeah, Giants game went really well. Wish I would have hit the second half over. I was kind of feeling some offense in that one. Uh, I, I give the Packers, we'll talk about this later, but I give the Packers a bit of a pass for that one. I said it was a tough spot, and it ultimately did kind of seem that way. You know, they didn't play their best, and uh, the Giants were ready to go. Uh, it's weird because I still kind of think, like, I want to fade the Giants, and but I just I can't do it this week because the Saints have looked so dreadful that I, if anything, I would honestly probably bet the Giants in that game if you made me pick a side. So even though I want to fade the Giants, I can't do it yet. Yeah, spread's been going all over the place in that game. It started at six, five and a half, six, I think, before Monday night, then got back down to four, then back up to six at some shops. So some wild line movement, at least in that game. And I had in Titans, Dolphins, I took the first half with Tennessee and got pretty lucky that Tyreek Hill went down because that really made Miami's offense sputter. And the Titans went on a couple of scoring drives that allowed me to cash that bet in the second quarter, I believe. And also Will Levis. Turnover variance on both sides. But Titans were probably unlucky despite scoring, what, two touchdowns in the final two minutes just because of how those turnovers ensued in the second half. But back to Giants-Packers mode. Before we get into our bets, I want to ask you, Tommy DeVito's agent was shown a ton on Monday night, like I mentioned. Sean Stellato, what league, any sport, I'm going to give you the full array of options here. What league did Sean Stellato play in? It was not a professional league or like the upper echelon professional leagues, the NFL, Major League Baseball, any sport like that. You're saying I can still pick those sports, just not those leagues. Correct. Correct. So if you wanted to guess minor league baseball, for instance. I'm going to say he was like... Yeah, minor league baseball was definitely the first thing that popped into mind. But I don't know. You're making me feel like it's something off the grid. So I'm going to go with amateur MMA. That was a solid guess. I would be shocked if that was the case. Arena football. So he was a former football player, played at Marist, but he played in the Arena Football League, the AFL. Does that shock you? Uh, Not really. I mean, I guess so in the sense of, like, he doesn't look like an athlete, but um, yeah. not so much in the sense of those guys are probably doubling as your local FedEx delivery guy. Apparently, he's ripped, and he played football, so not surprised after reading it, but then again, I was surprised that he played in the Arena Football League when I first saw the news, and of course, he's been all over the news this week, and If you are betting NFL Week 15, whether it's the Giants-Saints game or some of the bets that we have down tailing us or fading us, whichever you prefer, be sure to do so at BetMGM Sportsbook. Use promo code THELINES, one word, to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets with, again, promo code THELINES. If your first bet loses, you'll get those bonus bets in return. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And back to DeVito for a second. He was named the NFC Player of the Week along with Zach Wilson. We live in some sort of different reality when that happens in a given week. DeVito with the highest EPA per dropback plus completion percentage over expected composite ranking 
in week 14, and Zach Wilson ranked fifth in that category. Just abysmal, crazy stuff happening on Monday night and in the Jets-Texans game, for that matter. But, Mo, I want to start out with my best bet for week 15. I took the Bears at plus 3.5, minus 115. On Wednesday, you could still find some Bears plus threes out there at minus 105 or better, and I would... Try to find a juiced plus three and a half just because you're getting above the key number three. But I would still play Chicago at plus three, minus 105. Total of 38 and a half in this game. It's got betting up by a little bit. And as I mentioned, you could price shop over at thelines.com and find our plays in real time in our Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. So when you look at the Browns defense on the surface, ranked number one in the league defensively in both the EPA per play allowed and success rate allowed, but a ton of injuries starting with on the defensive side of the ball, you have safety Grant Delpit and one of their defensive linemen. I'm not going to even try to pronounce his name just because I've heard it a couple different ways. Okronkwo, I think I'm going to take a stab at it. I actually think that may be right, but yeah, either it's way, right. I mean, try to do it a little more smoothly, but yeah. Yeah, it was slow. I did I did it that way for a reason. So both of those two presumably out for the rest of the year. Also, Juan Thornhill, one of their other safeties, didn't practice on Wednesday. And their nose tackle, Jordan Elliott, in concussion protocol. And then, of course, you have Miles Garrett, who's playing through a shoulder injury. Did so at a high level in Week 14, but still banged up. And on that note, since Week 9, so since these injuries have started to accumulate, the Browns allowing the 10th highest rushing success rate, which plays right into the Bears' hands if they're able to play at that neutral or positive game script, which we've seen over their last three games. And I've actually bet the Bears in all three of those games, granted against divisional opponents, but this isn't your, again, elite upper echelon Browns defense like we were known to think in the first half of the season. Bears play at the third slowest tempo, which correlates to that ground game. And the offensive line is also playing at a very high level now that it's fully healthy. Second highest run block win rate across the NFL. And even though DJ Moore not necessarily involved in the run game, although we did see some off-scripted plays in that regard last week against Detroit, but Moore having the ankle injury, didn't practice on Wednesday. I would expect him to go. I don't think it's deemed serious, but we'll see. Maybe you want to wait if... If Moore doesn't play, although I would feel much less confident in Chicago if that's the case. But either way, I'm not super pessimistic in his chances of not suiting up. And then on the other side of the ball, the Browns offensive line is also extremely banged up. Jedrick Wills, Dewan Jones just placed on injured reserve. Ethan Pochich, I think, is how you pronounce his name? Pochich, I think. Pochich, okay. So one way or the other, kind of similar to the Browns defensive line, but Shoulder stinger, he left the Jags game early on, and the Browns already have their best offensive lineman, Jack Conklin, on injured reserve. And that's with in mind. This Browns team has increased its pass rate incrementally in neutral situations under Joe Flacco, now at a 68% clip. So you have an aging, immobile Joe Flacco with a banged-up Browns defensive line against a much-improved Bears defensive front, Chicago allowing the sixth fewest EPA per play, whether that's against the run or against the pass since acquiring Montez Sweat in week nine. I know Yannick Ngakwe is out for the season. That was announced on Wednesday, but you still have a good amount of depth at the defensive line spot, especially after acquiring Sweat from Washington ahead of the trade deadline. And their running back group, if Cleveland wants to kind of revert back to their more ground game approach, which traditionally has been the case before Chubb went down in week two. Jerome Ford, their most explosive running back, is banged up, and so is Kareem Hunt. So both sides of the ball, Cleveland decimated by injuries. I took Chicago, again, above the key number. Mo, any takes or bets on this game? Probably not um, as far as bets go. Initially, when I saw this line, I actually liked the Browns a little bit, and then the market said absolutely not hammered it down to three and I get it when I look at this Browns injury report like you said even like Denzel Ward I think he came back and played but he's probably still not 100% it's crazy how many injuries they've had uh, especially on the defense but yeah someone on the offense as well uh, I would definitely keep an eye on DJ Moore though I would not even ever dream of playing Chicago if DJ Moore is out I mean he is just so far and away their best weapon on offense it's not even funny so I think 
more so than even his talent level would say he has an impact just because there's no like reasonable guy who can step up uh, in his place. You know what I mean? Like in some spots, like maybe AJ Brown goes out. Well, at least they still have Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard, you know, that they don't have people like that for Chicago. So yeah, Darnell um, Mooney is not filling the void that DJ Moore yeah, at the level like, that DJ Moore plays at. That's, I mean, he's been incredible this year. So I would definitely keep an eye on that if you want to bet Chicago, but I just couldn't imagine betting the Browns at this point with these injuries. I mean, Joe Flacco's doing good work, but I'm skeptical he can keep it up. I definitely wouldn't lay it on Cleveland at this point. Um, you know, every week we're seeing the line setters are really missing the boat with Chicago. Uh, they just keep getting hammered every week, and they keep covering, if not winning, as an underdog multiple times in a row. Could have been three in a row uh, if they didn't collapse against uh, the Lions. But there's very clear, like, sharp market interest on Chicago every single week. So uh, maybe it's finally corrected to where it should be. I kind of think it, it has, but... Would it stun me if Chicago won this game? Definitely not. So, um, yeah, I, I just wouldn't bet this one at this point. Maybe the under if I had to take a side, even though there is a lot of defensive injuries. But I do see a lot of running and probably not a lot of explosive plays in this game. I mean, like you said, Montez Sweat has been a real, real difference maker, and, and Chicago's defense really seems to be coming together. Uh there's, there's people on our staff still ranking Chicago in the 20s. And, guys, I can promise you there's not 20 teams better than the Bears at this point. Yeah, Jalen Johnson graded as the number one corner in the league, not just in the division or the NFC, but in the NFL. And he's playing up to that level. I know some people may smirk at PFF rankings, pro football focus, but he's playing like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And I also think you're getting a little bit of a sell high point on Cleveland after that win and a must win game against the Jags, especially when you consider that Trevor Lawrence was banged up with that ankle injury. And to your point, even though you kind of backed off of it, I do still think you're getting a little bit of buy low value at a cheaper field goal, or you get a juiced plus three and a half like I did on the bears. And I still think the market isn't properly valuing Chicago just yet. But you're also looking to sell high on one of the best teams of the NFL, not a team contending in the wild card hunt like the Browns and the AFC. You're betting against the 49ers as 12, 12 and a half point favorites on the road at Arizona, total 47 and a half, 48. What's your logic there, Mo? Yeah, you see this number. It is down actually already some money coming in on the Cardinals uh, was 13 and a half earlier in the week. And again, looking at this Niners injury report, I understand it and wonder if maybe considering the spot they're in, it could honestly maybe should be even a little lower. You have interior defenders, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, both missing practice. Dre Greenlaw, one of the best linebackers in the NFL, probably and Charvarius Ward, their best cornerback. I mean, they already lost uh, Hufanga, their safety, right? Like, at some point, I, I just figure this has to matter. Um, and, and their run defense has already struggled as it is in some spots. Obviously, it doesn't matter that much when you go up 20 every game and teams end up having to pass. But this is already kind of a flat spot, I think, after, you know, um, multiple critical wins that basically have them locked into one of the top seeds uh now facing a bad team on the road one that's coming off uh it's by a little bit similar to that packers and giants game and a cardinals offense here that is getting healthier as well uh it was kind of an ugly scene the way they were playing against pittsburgh overly reliant on throwing over and over to trey mcbride that's not going to work here we know how good these 49ers linebackers are in coverage, but with a coaching staff that has done a good job this year, I think, and extra time to prepare, that's going to help. And having Hollywood Brown, I think healthy is pretty big. I think he, he did play the last game, but he had like three targets, didn't have a catch, didn't make any kind of impact. So two more weeks um, to get healthy. I, I should be pretty, pretty good there for their passing game. And, you know, obviously the scariest part of this 49ers defense, you don't want 
Nick Bosa and Chase Young to be dominating on the edge and just collapsing your pockets. But, you know, even if that happens here, at least we have a mobile quarterback, Kyler Murray, who can escape pressure at times and make some plays. I think with these defenders out, the line is starting to reflect that. It's dropping it's down to 11.5, I think, at DraftKings, I believe. Like I said, Niners on a big winning streak. I, I could see them a little bit flat here, and and hopefully the Cardinals can keep pace here. Wasn't a lot I was excited about this week because you know I did get some good numbers on some big underdogs early in the week that I'm not too sure about at this point, but uh, I think the Cardinals are still playable here. And you can find all of Mo's bats if you at least just want to check them out in our Discord channel, like I mentioned earlier. But yeah, I mean, outside of the injuries, just from a sell high and a true buy low standpoint with Arizona, you're A, you're selling San Francisco at the peak of its market rating. Not only is Brock Purdy right there in the MVP conversation, right behind Dak Prescott, or even tied with Prescott for the shortest odds at some books, but I mean, they're riding one of the longest win streaks in the NFL. They beat Jacksonville coming off there by, I think, in week 10 by 31. Beat Tampa Bay by double digits. Beat Philly on the road by 23. And then Seattle by double digits twice in this four to five week span. So the look ahead to like against Baltimore, like you mentioned, next Monday night. I would love for the Ravens to lose at the Jags so we can get better value on Baltimore potentially. I don't know if you're looking the other way to fade the Ravens like you have for much of the year just like last week with the Rams, who we'll touch on in a bit. But I do think just kind of veering ahead to next week, Baltimore may present some value if they lose at Jacksonville. But back to this matchup, as you said too, Arizona coming off the bye. The one thing I am a little bit concerned about, just depending how the injury report shakes out for San Francisco, ever since they got Chase Young, top 10 in every single defensive category when you look at advanced metrics like EPA per play and success rate. So, Obviously, Young has elevated the play of the entire defensive line, if it wasn't already one of the best in the league. And also, Jair Brown has really filled the void for Hufunga really well, who you mentioned got hurt, I think, before the Thanksgiving game against Seattle. So that's my only concern, just up against an Arizona team that really wants to run the ball with Murray and James Conner like they did at Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, maybe generate a couple fluky turnovers and grind clock and keep Purdy and the 49ers offense off the field. So I consider this at plus 14. Now that the market has already made a dent with these injuries, I'm probably going to stay away, but I definitely get the angle trying to sell San Francisco high ahead of a big game. Yeah. Fading the 49ers, never exciting. Uh, Tried it a couple times. It's painful. Has not worked out. I eventually stopped doing it and just started betting 49ers team total overs. Uh, <laughs> that was working out pretty well. Uh, probably should have came in again last week. Thankfully, I did not fire that one. I believe that one did come in under. But, uh, yeah, this team is obviously pretty scary. But, you know, these are some of the spots where you do see these teams uh, come in with, you know, 95% effort or whatever. And, and not, you know, that 5% doesn't maybe sound like a lot to some people, but when margins are this close in pro football, you know, that's actually pretty big. For those of you who watch Beat the Closing Number frequently, if you remember Mo faded the Ravens on the road at Arizona, got fortunate with not only a two-point conversion attempt that initially failed, and then they called a penalty on Baltimore. So Arizona got another crack at it, got the two-point conversion, got the onside kick, and then made, what, like a 40, 50-yard field goal to wind up covering and losing by seven on what was nearly a double-digit point spread. Wild stuff. I hope that doesn't happen to you, or at least I hope Arizona covers in a less dramatic fashion this time around, Bo. But I mentioned the other NFC West team that we're going to hit on in the Rams. Six-and-a-half-point favorites against Washington, another team coming off the bye, total of 50-and-a-half. And that market has been bet up from 47, all the way from 47 on Sunday night. It's almost hit two key numbers when it comes to totals. But how are you betting this one? Back on the Rams. Um... Yeah, this team, I think, is legitimately turning a corner on offense. Um, number three in offensive EPA since Kyron Williams came back. Um, and, and, you know, obviously with small samples, it can be tricky. You know, you see teams excel against soft competition, whatever else, but that's not what's happening here. You know, they've played the Browns, they've played the Ravens. 
These are two of the stronger defenses in the NFL. I believe when it comes to yards per play allowed, they might be the top two, in fact. I mean, I'm definitely on the record saying the Ravens might be the most overrated defense in the NFL, but this is still a solid unit. And the Rams, you know, move the ball at will on them, basically. Uh, Did the same thing to the Browns. I, I just think between Kyron coming back, boosting the run game, and Sean McVay really like finding his groove as a as a play caller and coordinator here. This is an offense that I think is legitimately one of the better ones in the NFL. And, and you're playing a Washington defense that is just atrocious. I mean, 40 points allowed, you know, whatever else it's been multiple times. And a team that just puts no pressure on the passer. Obviously, we know they traded away multiple elite defensive linemen, uh, edge rushers, 24th in pressure rate on the season and and given that that includes multiple games with sweat with young you know that probably honestly oversells their ability to get pressure and i've talked about a lot of times when i see um the rams playing against a team that can't generate pressure i'm immediately going to be bullish and then vice versa and you see that with the total it's already up 250 and a half i believe it was 49 and a half earlier in the week Playing at home, this team, for their playoff lives probably, and the opposing coach is basically a dead man walking. Everyone knows Rivera is going to be fired at the end of the year. Washington's offense was frisky early in the season, but look at their outputs lately. It's been pretty poor. I mean, they haven't scored 20 points in a month, and they're facing you know the Giants' defense, the Dolphins' defense. These are not scary units. I just think like one of the better offenses in the NFL here with a sharp coaching staff at home. I, I think the Rams, I know even though commanders are coming off the bye, I think the Rams should be a seven point favorite at home uh, here, but market not there yet. So I'm happy to take the Rams. Maybe the back door is open here, which is a little bit scary against this mediocre Rams defense, you know, but like I said, Sam Howell just hasn't really been doing it for some time now. So I, I think I think the Rams are still a bit undervalued, as weird as that sounds, when they just keep going out, covering, slash winning every week. Probably could have beaten the Ravens, if not for a blown call, which we've talked about. So, yeah, I, I just think the Rams are a really solid team, and, and it's not reflected in their record, and I don't think their market's reflecting it yet. Yeah, Rams are still... Obviously in the playoff hunt for a wild card spot in the NFC, plus 180 over at Caesar Sportsbook if you're interested in that. I may be a little more apt to back the Rams in that market rather than lay it. Just because situationally I'm a little concerned with the Rams coming off an emotional overtime game. All the points you brought up from a metric standpoint and just efficiency with this Rams offense ever since they got Williams back and Stafford back for that matter, against the Seahawks. But Washington coming off the bye, not that Howell was playing well before, and as you said, still a little concerned situationally, but I totally get the play with the Rams trying to continue to back an explosive offense as we saw last week against one of the better defenses, at least on paper, that underperformed. Or if you're on in Moe's camp thinking that the Ravens are overvalued, then maybe they are playing above market expectation and are going to continue to come back down to earth. But either way, I'm buying into the notion that the Rams may continue to peak and may be worth a little bit of a sprinkle on their odds to make the playoffs. Any any takes there before we move on to our final game and then our guest? I mean, if you're doing that, it's just basically... They they pretty much have to sweep these games that aren't the 49ers. Like they have a, a loss basically baked into the schedule. They have to play the 49ers on the road still. And that's like I mean, that's that line's gonna be like ten and a half or whatever. So they're gonna be massive underdogs there. Not any room for error at this point, really. And and honestly, one thing that just really sucks for the Rams is they they just they don't have the tiebreaker on Green Bay. Green Bay has a tiebreak over them because of a game that was started by Brett Rippon. So right. that's obviously really uh, just unfortunate for them, the timing of that game. Yeah, and good segue into the Packers. Three, three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Bucks. Juiced at this point in the week, if you're looking to grab Tampa and the hook. Total of 41-and-a-half, down from around 42, 42-and-a-half from earlier in the week. So both teams, I'm looking at the total for this game. Both teams have hit the over in each of their last three. But I'm actually, not that this total is 
ultra inflated as a result of each of their last three games, but I still think it's a little inflated just based on the kind of script I see playing out. I think both teams are going to try to go run heavy for a couple different reasons. And by the way, the the pace for this game is projected to be the sixth slowest among all the Week 15 games, which I think also sides with trying to run the football, certainly, and grinding the clock a little bit more than if you're going pass heavy or maybe at least 50-50 split or near that. So both defenses run a lot of zone, two deep safety with softer zone coverage, and that limits explosive plays. Joe Barry and the Packers defense has been doing that for a while since he's been the Packers defensive coordinator. But it does open up the ground game underneath, which we saw on Sunday night going back to two weeks ago for the Packers against the Chiefs when they were able to sustain drives. Kansas City I'm talking about. And when you look at Green Bay a little bit more when it comes to the metrics, allowing the ninth highest rushing success rate, and the Bucks, as we've talked about ad nauseum, want to run the football on early downs, even though they have the lowest rushing efficiency in early down situations. But it did work against Atlanta, which kind of makes me think Bowles and Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator, are going to kind of try to do the same thing against a defense where it should work yet again. And also you factor in Baker Mayfield has historically struggled against zone concepts on top of the fact that the Bucks' offense has struggled when they've gone out of division against at least above average competition, which I think we both agree the Bucks or the Packers rate in the upper echelon of the NFL when it comes to power ratings. And then when it comes to the Packers offense, it's not that they're run heavy or anything like that, but we saw Lover grass a little bit and against the Giants. And I, it was a good spot to back New York, which you did for sure. But before that Giants game or before a turnover in that Giants game, the Packers had gone 32 straight drives without a turnover. So they were due for some semblance of negative regression. It came and Jordan Love had a negative 9.3 total EPA just overall in that game. It wasn't just the turnovers that plagued the Packers. He didn't play well. No Christian Watson definitely made an impact. He could be out for this game. Also on the Bucks defensive line, potentially no Vita Vea, which would certainly probably make Matt LaFleur a little bit more lean towards the ground game, especially because Dylan has been a bit more efficient in the second half of the season, especially when you go back to that Chiefs game a couple of weeks ago. And the Bucks, along with the Packers, rank below league average when it comes to rushing success rate allowed. So I think we see the total, at least when it comes to both teams cashing their overs in their last three games, come back down to earth here with it under. But what say you, Mo? Any thoughts on the total? I'm a little bit surprised you like the under, to be honest, uh, just given all these defensive injuries for the Bucks, uh, Like you said, Vita Vea. Packers. Yeah, but this Bucks unit is really scary at this point. I mean, Carlton Davis, mispractice, Ryan Neal, the safety, and then their linebacking core. Levante David is playing, but I think maybe less than 100%. And then Devin White also been hurt. It's a, it's a lot of injuries, man, on a really kind of an older unit, so you know, more thin unit. It showed up in the Atlanta game, man. I mean, Desmond Ritter absolutely clown these guys, which is crazy. 347 on 8.7 yards per attempt and not in a situation where they were playing catch up at all. In fact, they had the lead for a lot of that game. So um, I am willing to give the Packers, like I said, a little bit of a pass for the Giants game. It was a rough spot for them. Um, I, I think some big plays, you know, they lost contain. On some scrambles, they had some poor run defense at times, but the Bucks are very poor running the ball, so I think it just honestly might come down to that, like you were saying. We know they're going to try to pound the rock. If it works, then, like, yeah, the clock's going to be ticking here, and it could work because the Packers just aren't that good stopping the run. I do think Jordan Love should get back on track here, though. I kind of do lean to the Packers. I mean, you have a coaching staff in the Packers that does – seem to be running out there with a good game plan. They are getting good performance out of their quarterback. And then I think maybe one of the worst coaching staffs in the NFL on the other sideline, I would kind of lean toward the Packers here. Total. I see what you're getting at. So I don't know, maybe I guess just neutral feeling on the total at this point. Yeah. I lean towards the Packers as well. I was considering it, but I, I like the theoretical script on paper if the Bucks get into a negative game script and this isn't situation neutral when it comes to pace for both offenses, then I could be in trouble. But I think it plays out to where both teams are going to try to run the football despite the injuries. I think the injuries actually kind of play to my advantage, especially with Vita Vea 
if he's at least banged up, which I don't see how that wouldn't be the case, even if he does wind up suiting up. But those are bets for this week. I have the under and Packers Bucks. Mo has the Rams and the Cardinals, two NFC West teams. And I have the Bears. So a couple dogs, a favorite, and an under. Now it's time to be joined by Dwayne Colucci at NYBookie. Dwayne on Twitter X. He's the race and sports manager over at the Rampart Casino in Las Vegas. Dwayne, I got to ask you to start off as a fellow Italian. What was it like watching the Tommy DeVito magic on Monday night? Well, you know, it's just a feel-good story. You know, Tommy Cutlets right now, he's the man. So, uh, you know, everybody in New York is embracing. Also, uh, you know, great performance finally from Zach Wilson as well. But the Giants really, uh, they played a team that was on the cusp of, uh, you know, on the verge of making the playoffs in Green Bay. And they definitely outplayed them. I mean, the defense has been really solid in the last few games. They're supporting and rallying around uh, DeVito. And it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward with Daniel Jones in that big contract if this kid continues to win and you could see it's just a heartbeat of New Jersey a wise guy uh, you know on the sidelines there as his agent you got the mom dad you got the whole uh, tailgating scenario guys that was amazing you know the, the chicken cutlets nice chopped up uh, you know red peppers Italian peppers some mozzarella <laughs> beautiful spread for tailgating and definitely makes you want to come early to those games at MetLife so uh, you know it's just bringing a whole new vibe especially especially to a team that, uh, you know, underachieved this year naturally. You know the injuries, and uh, the Jets underachieved as well. Aaron Rodgers went down. Daniel Jones goes down. And this is the feel-good story of New York, and it's definitely playing itself out now, guys, and it's good to see. Yeah, Giants around six-point dogs at the Saints this week. And before we get into some of the games this week and some of the spreads and totals, I want to ask you for those who are unfamiliar with your work, Dwayne. Obviously, like I mentioned, you've been around in the industry for a long time, nearly 30 years when it comes to booking games, at least in the NFL. Do you have a crazy or funny NFL bookmaking story, whether it's behind the counter or not? Eli, we got so many stories. That's so many different characters. I mean, all the Twitter people that you basically uh, see out there on X or on Twitter that, uh, you know, claims to be a professional gambler in one sense or another, whether they've passed on, uh, you know, whether it's uh, guys like Crack, uh, Alan Boston. I've dealt with these guys throughout my career, and uh, definitely you have so many different inter interesting feel-good stories. I mean, uh, from Dana White making big uh, five, six-figure bets uh, against Floyd Mayweather to uh, you know, basically uh, the people that work for Billy Walters and all those guys, uh, you know, making his bets. We've dealt with everything. I was brought into the business by Sid Diamond and Eric St. Clair. And uh, Eric St. Clair's father-in-law was Bob Martin. So he basically invented total betting out here in Las Vegas. Plus, you got the stories from back home before, uh, you know, I was in this industry and the social clubs. And uh, a great story, I remember. Uh, I was in one of the clubs one day, and it was the Houston, uh, the big comeback when Buffalo and Frank Reich played, uh, you know, Houston. And I could just remember, uh, a guy's name was Ralphie, and uh, he worked in the office there. And I was just spectating, but, uh, you know, when Buffalo went ahead in that game, to see a grown man pick up a black and white little TV that he was watching the <laughs> game on, it just heaving against the wall, guys. It, it was unbelievable. And the, uh, you know, the language wasn't all that clean at that time. And he actually hit the tray of Gava deals, uh, you know, the macaroni that went all over the place. And <laughs> You know, definitely it meant a lot of money to him with Frank Reich uh, sealing the deal on Warren Moon and the boys. But, uh, yeah, so many different stories. We've had uh, a ton of uh, good people come into the Rampart book as well, whether it's Dan Issel, Eddie Murray, so many different celebrities that I have met and come across. Even this weekend from uh, FanDuel TVG, Todd Shrupp was making his horse wagers. So, Eli, you know, there's so many great stories uh, and so many feel-good uh, stories as well. And it's just great to be a bookmaker in Las Vegas and experience all these things and you know Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro these guys have so many stories as well and uh, you know back in the day people running around scalping different numbers because there were only you know 10, 11 casinos back then now it's a lot easier with all the uh, mobile applications and you know it takes kind of a little way from the uh, you know bookmaker and customer feel because they like to bet on the mobile app now but the stories still keep flowing and you see all the celebrities and it's just uh, great to be in Las Vegas right now in a bookmaker. That's all great stuff. Um, <laughs> man, yeah. Can't help but smile listening to that. 
going into some of the games this week, one game has two, I mean, pretty important spot playoff-wise for both the Colts and the Steelers playing uh, in Indianapolis. You do have the Steelers off an absolutely horrific couple of games. Uh, do you think that plays too much into the market rating here now with the Colts being favored, or do you have uh, any other thoughts on this game? Well, Mo, that's a great question. I mean, we opened it at two and a half at the Rampart and South Point, and we're actually seeing some dog money, uh, you know, up to two, uh, down to two, I should say. So, uh, you know, the Steelers, they've really played poorly in the last couple of weeks. They definitely have trouble scoring the ball. And I get leery now of these teams that can't score. I mean, uh, you know, it just becomes uh, how are they going to punch the ball into the end zone, whereas the Colts definitely could score the ball. So this is going to be an interesting matchup, like you said, on these uh, Saturday games. What do we have, five teams that are seven and six and one team that is above that. So, uh, you know, we're getting some good two-way action, but the initial response was Pittsburgh. And uh, I know Chris has a big uh, Pittsburgh Steeler contingency down at the South Point. We do as well here at the Rampart. So uh, I kind of like the Colts in this game, though. I, uh, I think they're definitely playing a lot better than Pittsburgh. And now Pittsburgh has reverted back to the early season woes. And, uh, you know, you can't bank too much on Trubisky. Pickett, you know, he, he as well, he's in a learning curve and a learning process. You need a lot more out of Najee Harris. Uh, you know, this could be a game where if the Colts get the lead, it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh to play catch up. And I definitely uh, like the Colts in this spot. Yeah. Steelers may need some more lucky breaks. They are getting TJ Watt potentially. I think he was off of concussion protocol on Wednesday, so he should be in the lineup. We'll see if the same bodes well for Alex Highsmith. But yeah, if the Steelers get down in this game and if the Steelers defense continues to regress like we've seen against the Patriots and the Cardinals, then it's going to be tough for them to make that up with Mitch Trubisky. Who, I don't know if you remember this, Dwayne, but back in 2019 was around 15 to one at some shops closed 15 to one at the beginning of the season to win the MVP award, which is just bizarre to think about <laughs> thinking back to four years ago, four seasons ago, but onto another Saturday game with the Lions and Broncos Detroit coming off of that. Lost to Chicago, and Mo and I were breaking down the Bears and Browns. Maybe Chicago's still a little bit undervalued in the market. But Detroit, this line has kind of gone all over the place-ish. I think opened around three and a half, four. Not sure where it started off at the Rampart. But then got bumped up to five at some shops. Now back down to four against the Broncos team that has received a lot of positive fortune. Kind of looking back at the Steelers. Denver on the same side of things. 17 fumble recoveries during their six of seven wins in their last seven games. So what do you make of this finale on Saturday night? Yeah, turnover ratio, Eli, definitely has been playing uh, well into Sean Payton's hands and Russell Wilson. So this is going to be an interesting game. I was all over the Bears, uh, you know, against Detroit due to the prior earlier in the season matchup where you felt that the Bears, uh, you know, should have won that game as well. Campbell's an excellent coach. We know that. I think this is a difficult game to handicap. That's why you're seeing the heartbeat uh, point spread. Like you said, we opened three and a half at the Rampart and South Point. Now sitting at four, I see a lot of shops at four and a half. Uh, Detroit is definitely a better team at home. I will say that. So, uh, you know, it's going to be difficult for Denver to keep this streak going. They, they are not overly talented. That's what the problem is. So I think definitely we have a chance here if you're taking Detroit to get back on track. They definitely want to solidify this dis division, especially with Green Bay and that big loss in the last game. So, uh, you know, you got Mullen starting for Minnesota as well. It's going to be interesting to see. And Detroit could put this division away. They have an upcoming game against Dallas. You know, that's a tough spot. So uh, I think this is a good spot for the Lions. They could possibly uh, come out on top and put up a lot of points here and bounce back after that Chicago uh, debacle where Chicago basically matches up very well with Detroit. I kind of think it's a good spot for the Lions to bounce back to. I, I, I mean, they, they thrive when they can move the ball indoors against mediocre defenses. And that's pretty much what's happening here. So X one, we, we do have the game of the week bills and the Cowboys. I've got the bills like 30 to one from a couple weeks ago. And I kind of think they're overvalued here, but I don't want to bet against my own future. So just tell me, uh, am I going to be a happy man on Sunday with the Bills <laughs> heading into the, like, they'll be favored to make the playoffs at that point if they do get this win. 
Yeah, and you're wearing a Chief uh, shirt there, Mo. So uh, <laughs> interesting to see how this is going to play out. I mean, do you feel that Josh Allen could beat, though, uh, the Chiefs and Dallas on back-to-back weeks? Dallas is really riding high now. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott is the front-runner for the MVP. Dallas brings another dimension with that defense. They just basically shut down Brown in that last game, which was amazing without Diggs out there, uh, you know, in the secondary. So Dallas playing very well. Tough spot, though, for the Cowboys because they do have to play Buffalo, Miami. Miami, Detroit upcoming on that schedule, a very difficult schedule. They've beaten the teams that they should have. Everybody kind of had a sense that the Eagles are banged up. Jalen Hurts is hurt. Uh, you know, <laughs> good choice words there. But everybody felt that Dallas did have a little advantage coming into that game. Josh Allen has really got to play well, though. They were gifted that last game. Uh, not that uh, it was a bad call. It was the right call. But so many times, 90% of the time, you don't see that call made. So, uh, you know, definitely, I think Buffalo. Buffalo has won some good games. Coach is definitely under the microscope, but Dallas is a very tough out right now. Toss-up game. I really don't have an opinion in this game, even though I'm a Cowboy guy. I think Dallas has done everything they've uh, been required to, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dallas looks very scary, Uh, so I'm hopeful, but I'm hopeful that the market is onto something that I'm not, basically, I guess, but... Another one of the most critical games this weekend is uh, Ravens-Jaguars. believe that's Sunday night. Um, so that one, Eli and I talked about that early in the week. I kind of like the Jaguars at three and a half, and the hook is gone now. So what do you make of that action, and should I still be interested at all in the Jags? I feel like the Ravens are a little bit overvalued, but uh, yeah, obviously the market does too. But it's one of the most interesting games to handicap too because of – you know, nobody knows what Trevor Lawrence is going to look like. Yeah, definitely. You know, Lawrence, he toughed it out in that last game. And, uh, you know, I... I- he, I felt that he was just Mo throwing the ball up in certain positions just to avoid the sack and to avoid getting injured even further. So that was a really strange game. It seemed like he took a few bad interceptions there, but they were similar to punts in those situations because they were so far down the field. I still think Jacksonville has a lot of value as long as Lawrence is healthy when you're talking about possibly going to the Super Bowl because the AFC is such a wide open uh, situation. So Baltimore makes a ton of mistakes. I've said this time and time again. I was tweeting in on X. I don't think Harbaugh is the greatest coach out there right now. I think there's got uh, there's got to be a lot of off-season clamoring if this team doesn't go to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson makes a ton of mistakes as well, and he is phenomenally talented and has an excellent team. They have an excellent defense, but they have to avoid making mistakes because I think Jacksonville will be a lot more uh, aggressive this week and hungry as well. So we're looking at a line at three at the Rampart and South Point. Uh, like you said, Mo, I definitely think there is some value on Jacksonville at home, especially Baltimore now going on the road. Baltimore is not as dominant as people perceive them to be. I think they can possibly lose this game. This is an interesting game for me because I have Ravens futures going back to May at 25 to 1. So I obviously want the Ravens to win and get the one seed from that standpoint. But I do think I'm intrigued by Baltimore if they lose this game and are above a field goal dog at San Francisco the following week. So that's kind of my angle from a short-term better standpoint. I'm looking to back the Ravens and kind of hope they lose this game. But as a futures ticket holder, per se, I also want them to win. So I guess we'll see what happens on Sunday night. But overall on the Week 15 board, Dwayne, which point spread do you think is most inflated? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll tell you, Eli. You know, I'm looking at this, and uh, I definitely think that Miami is somewhat inflated, even though it came down from the 12 and a half down to eight uh, on the adjustment. I-, I just don't see them playing a good brand of football against quality opponents. They like to beat up on smaller opponents, and you know how much Tyreek Hill means to this team. So, you know, they're definitely the front runner right now, but like Mo said, definitely Buffalo is going to come and bring it, and they're going to try and catch up really quick. That was a devastating loss. You're winning by 14 late in the game, and you can't uh, seal the deal, especially at home. So, I'm not so sure how good Miami's defense is, and I definitely know that the Jets are going to play very hungry, and Zach Wilson, over 300 yards, 
last week. It seems that his head is into the game, and this could be definitely a very, very inflated point spread. Uh, I don't think San Francisco is inflated. It actually came down a point and a half, and I don't see why. I mean, Arizona hasn't been that uh, good at all, uh, you know, in these situations, getting big point spreads other than playing against Dallas. Uh, you know, with Murray, it adds a different dimension, and they are playing a little better, but I still think that definitely San Francisco is going to dominate that game, so I wouldn't say it's inflated. Also, I think Baltimore, like we uh, discussed, they might be a little inflated. If Jacksonville and Lawrence are healthy, I think they are right there on the cusp of uh, winning the AFC and could compete with these teams like Baltimore, Buffalo, and all these others when they play their brand of football, and especially, you know, you're getting that value at home this weekend, which is totally different than playing on the road, playing in Jacksonville with a good crowd there, and you know that crowd is geared up. They're hungry to see a playoff team and some playoff competition, which they haven't seen for many, many years. I think that that definitely could be an inflated line as well. Uh, I see a lot of value uh, in Cincinnati. I'm not sure what Minnesota is doing right now with the quarterback situation. Dobbs was really exposed in that last game, and they have trouble as well scoring points, whereas Cincinnati does not, whether Joe Burrow is there or not. So I see some value in Cincinnati. I don't believe that's uh, overinflated. If anything, uh, you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't have come down, in my opinion, even onto this key number. We opened it at four at the Rampart and South Point, and we're taking a ton of Minnesota money on the bounce back. So some of those games, I believe, uh, you know, I would say probably Miami is the most inflated, even though it has come down because of the injury situation. I'm with you. Uh, mini brag, I grabbed the Jets double digits, uh, but I, I still think I would bet the Jets if I had to pick right now. I mean, I, I just... Tyreek Hill is so massive to them, and he's hobbled and facing, obviously, very tough cornerbacks. Any totals catching your eye one way or the other uh, this week? Well, you definitely have to look, uh, Mo, at the teams that can't score. And, uh, you know, some of these uh, these trends are currently now kicking in. We're seeing a lot of money on the overs on these Saturday night games. Uh, you know, we opened 39 and a half on Minnesota Cincy. It's at 40. We also opened the Denver game at 46 against Detroit, and now it's 47 and a half. So I would get down because I think our theory is right that Detroit is going to put up a ton of points this weekend. If you didn't get down early, I mean, it's a point and a half move now, Mo. Uh, Eli, it's definitely been bet, and the Sharps have exposed that. Also, uh, Carolina and Atlanta, how are they going to score the ball? I'll be honest with you. You know, they're opening at 35. We're sitting at 34. That's going to continue to go down. I'm seeing 33 and a half and 33 at some shops. So you might want to look at that game. Uh, also, Houston's totals have been totally reined in now <laughs> since the injury to the key wide receiver there. 38 we opened, now down to 37 and a half. I'm seeing 37s around town. I don't think Tennessee is going to score as much as they did last week, but Levis looks okay now, guys. You know, you have Hopkins, you have Henry, but uh, I don't believe their coaching situation is going to continue past this uh, season. You know, that's definitely under the microscope. So I think that game could definitely go under uh, Houston and Tennessee just because of the trend that, uh, you know, Houston has uh, been reined in now ever since the injuries. That's Dwayne Colucci. You can follow him on X Twitter at NYBookie Dwayne, racing sportsbook manager over at the Rampart Casino in Vegas. Dwayne, hope you enjoy yourself some chicken cutlets on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, sorry about the camera issues, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm making the DeVito sign right now, you know, so uh, <laughs> I'll be enjoying some chicken cutlets. You know, us Italians during the holidays, I'll be eating fish, everything, guys. And uh, happy holidays to you guys as well. And let's pick some winners this weekend. The great Dwayne Colucci joining us. Mo, are you going to take him up on that lunch or dinner offer? I could. Somebody invited me to Vegas next month. I'm waffling, so I'm not sure about it. But yeah, uh, I'm. I'd be tempted for sure. This guy's well, full of life, so uh, <laughs> I could imagine he'd be a fun guy to hang around for sure. Yeah, well, you're coming out to Vegas for my bachelor party, assuming you can make it in May. So maybe we'll go to Rampart for a couple hours, and I'll ask Dwayne to pay for seven or eight or ten lunches. We'll see what happens down in uh, the summertime ish. But Mo. Any last words to wrap before we end this edition to beat the closing number? Pray for my Buffalo Bills future. I, if I had to bet the game, I would bet Buffalo. But for anybody that missed our Monday edition to beat the closing number, 
I'm with you on not teasing Dallas up. There are going to be a lot of betters out there, or at least novice betters, that are going to look at that point spread. Maybe even a little higher up than novice betters and say, how do you not catch Dallas getting a full possession? But I'm with you. If the Cowboys show up for a full game, they probably win the game outright. But if there's any decline, not necessarily in motivation, but just with performance level after that huge Sunday night football win against the Eagles, where they certainly went all out, then I don't think they cover that teaser like you agree. Yeah, I could definitely see Bills winning by 10 at home here. I mean, it's not that crazy. Like, it happens, especially in a high total game like this. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm obviously just going to hope for the best at this point. Uh, I feel like I'm in a good spot. Uh, like, there is the fact that I do think they got outplayed by the Chiefs, but it's still the Chiefs, you know, on the road. So not anything I'd be too worried about there. You know, basically a coin flip game. They came out with the W. Uh schedule down the stretch is really tough for Miami I mean that helps me that helps me a lot you know so maybe maybe they even maybe they even cash my division ticket I would have never dreamed of saying that two weeks ago but who knows I don't think it's crazy I I saw some people betting bills to win the AFC East ahead of this week maybe the Jets pull off the outright upside I, I know Dwayne said the Jets are undervalued this week and that spread is overinflated at least on the Dolphins side of things. But yeah, I mean, Bills and Dolphins to wrap up in week 18 down in Miami. I know Miami is going to be going for their utmost revenge just because they got blown out against Buffalo going back to week four and that playoff game as we discussed earlier on in the season. But if Buffalo is fighting for a chance to win the division and a playoff spot, then you could probably take the motivation on both sides out of the equation. So I'm with you, man. I think Buffalo is live here down the stretch. Not only make the playoffs, but win the AFC East. And hopefully you mentioned Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes does not throw another temper tantrum after the game against the Patriots. But that's going to do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number for Motoari. You can follow him on X Twitter at Motoari. Two W's. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. If you're... Betting any NFL Week 15 action, be sure to use our promo code, the lines over at BetMGM. First time users get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, that's the lines one word. And also check out our free NFL contest in Week 15 over at play.thelines.com where you can win Amazon gift cards with our free contest. So thanks for watching and listening. So long, everybody.